0: A couple of bad breaks for the Trojans last week mean they have to go with plan B at quarterback. And it's ultimately the Sun Devils who pull out with a victory in Los Angeles, 38-35, and move to 4-4 four four on the season. This is the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Amsden. And this is the road back from USC.
1: I was living in a devil town.
0: I didn't
1: know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.
0: So Arizona State gets their fourth win of the season. They move to 4-4 four and four under Coach Herm Edwards, uh, who warmly embraced his friend Ray Anderson after after this game, one that Arizona State really needed if they were going to even have any sliver of hope of going bowling this year. And Arizona State managed to do a pretty good job on both sides of the ball uh, in this game, despite what the score might indicate, despite giving up 35 points, despite this being the first time all season that Arizona State has given up more than 28 points in a game, breaking a streak of seven straight games, giving up 28 points or less. Arizona State did well defensively. Uh, they, they did well offensively. They struggled a little bit on special teams, but ultimately made up for it with a fantastic uh, 92-yard punt return touchdown from Nikhil Harry. Uh, and, and as many Sun Devil fans noticed, and, uh, and I noted on Twitter, and uh, Sun Devil Sports Information Director Mark Brand said in the press box, it's a whole lot easier to make a punt return when you don't have guys coming off the sideline uh, to hit you while you're running downfield. But Arizona State, uh, th- this was an important game for them. Going in, I predicted a three-point victory. Uh, not, not to toot my own horn on this one because uh, you know last year I did have a pretty good year picking Arizona State games. I think I went ten and one on the season. Uh, didn't pick the bowl game. Didn't pick the uh, the San Diego State game. Got the UCLA game wrong. But overall, I had a pretty good year at ten and one. This year, I'm sitting at five and three. I said Arizona State would get a three-point win today because, uh, honestly, USC is such a mess. No Porter Gustin, no Cameron Smith. Got injuries in the defensive backfield, almost too many to count. Uh, Bubba Bolden's out of school. Jack Jones is out of school. Isaiah Polamau is getting his second shoulder surgery. Uh, offensively, JT Daniels was in concussion protocol. Um, you know, their, their second string quarterback banged up is probably going to miss uh, potentially the rest of the season. And they have to go with a redshirt freshman in his first ever start. And you look at that and you say, all right. If Arizona State, who is relatively healthy, is going to be able to win a game on the road, which has been a really big issue for Arizona State, uh, not just this year but over the last few years, probably. And Joe Healy will appreciate even you know bringing this up, but probably even since uh, you know head, heading to Corvallis when they had an opportunity to win that game and be put on a path to play for the national championship and play in the playoff. Uh, ever since then they've just had enormous struggles on the road uh, and so this was, this was really big for them uh, first win at the Coliseum since 2014, since the jail Mary, which by the way Uh, Incredible oral history of the Jail Mary um, on devilsdigest.com. Jordan K talked to Todd Graham. Jordan K talked to Mike Bercovici. Uh, You can hear more about it from Mike Bercovici on the Speak of the Devils podcast. Uh, I I highly recommend, if you're going to consume Arizona State Sun Devils content and it's, you know, anything beyond this podcast, devilsdigest.com, which supports me and everything I do, as well as the Speak of the Devils podcast, which is uh, by far the best thing out there for uh, Arizona State Sun Devils fans with Joe Healy and, and Brad Denny hosting that so uh, Mike Bercovici was on this last week's episode you know and, and Jordan Cade did a fantastic uh, uh, write up on devilsdigest.com oral history of the jail Mary a really really important win um, and-, and sort of launched major expectations for Arizona State moving forward into the 2015 season that Arizona State ultimately didn't live up to right so we're in a situation right now, you know, heading into today's game, which, again, Arizona State ultimately won, uh, where, where the expectations for Arizona State were really all over the place. Uh, four losses all by seven points each. A loss to Stanford on a, on a Thursday night in a game that they probably had an opportunity to win if we're being honest. A loss against San Diego State where the offense came out, moved the ball really well right away, and then just all of a sudden gave out. Uh, Seven-point loss on the road at Washington, and, and truth be told, that, that final result was probably a little bit closer than ultimately that game was. Um at all in the first place and there there have been a couple of good wins too there's been a couple of good wins i I would definitely say that the michigan state win um which you know michigan state's slightly overrated team even though they did beat uh purdue today um and i guess we have to treat purdue like a powerhouse after what they did to ohio state but um the michigan state win you can say is pretty good win you know utsa you're supposed to win those games you're supposed to win big So Arizona State, I mean, losing at USC meant being three and five, and it meant having to go three and one to even qualify for a bowl with some tough games coming up you got utah visiting sun devil stadium they they look like the class of the pac 12 south right now really coming into their own um you know i'm not a huge tyler huntley fan but he's doing everything that's asked of him at quarterback and zach moss they're just kind of doing what they do every year riding a running back uh you know into 16 to 1700 yards rushing um and then playing really really stout defense and i absolutely love that utah defense so you know Utah is doing a fantastic job right now, and Arizona State has them next week. And beyond that, you never really know what's going to happen as far as the rivalry game goes. And you also have to travel up uh, to Eugene. And so, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough uh, for Arizona State. I, th- I think they could probably get the win against UCLA. Uh, I wouldn't call it a lock, but I think that's the closest thing you're going to get to a lock. Um, and you look you look at a... Uh, uh, team moving forward that if they ended up three and five this is uh, this is a team that could uh, maybe end up with four wins maximum uh at, at the end of the year so it getting this fourth win today was extremely important especially because usc was beat up especially because utah showed that they were able to move the ball so easily um and i think that when when arizona state came out You know, they they punt to start the game, and Tyler Vaughn runs it back for a touchdown. You start to think if you're an Arizona State fan, like, here we go again. You know, they put Paul Lucas in motion as the gunner. Uh, Paul Lucas seemed a little bit more concerned with – pushing the guy that was supposed to eventually turn around and block him in the back. I don't know why Paul Lucas was even giving that guy attention anyway, maybe just to get leverage to ultimately make the tackle. But he came way too far inside, broke contain, and Tyler Vons was able to get out around and, and score a touchdown. USC takes a 7-0 lead. And, you know, with, with, without even having to use this brand-new quarterback, uh, Arizona State's in a position where they're already down seven to nothing and 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 that looked like it was going to be a really tough situation to come back from especially with this being an arizona state team that just hasn't done a very good job moving the ball um this year headed into the usc game it had been 18 straight drives without manny wilkins throwing a touchdown pass the only touchdown of last week uh, which broke a 15 drive uh streak of not scoring a touchdown at all um was a manny wilkins rushing touchdown so you know, you had to wonder if, if Manny Wilkins wasn't able to move the ball, if this offense wasn't able to move the ball against the Stanford team, which had, had really shown that they had a lot of problems defensively leading into their game against Arizona State at Sun Devil Stadium, how are they going to move the ball against USC, which even though they're depleted in the secondary and, and, and as far as their linebackers go, they still have a lot of four and five star talent on that defense, all many of which Arizona State offered and had heavily pursued in an attempt to try to get them uh, out to ASU and ultimately failed. And so you look at that defense and you say to yourself, you know, they're, they're talented enough, seven points could do it seven points could do it. You had to figure Arizona State was probably going to play pretty well defensively uh, against a brand new quarterback um, and, and that that seven really seemed to be a big issue. But then what does Arizona State do? They rattle off 24 straight points. They hold USC to only running 10 offensive plays in the first quarter and if, if not for a couple of dumb penalties right before the half that, that enhanced a USC drive and allowed them to score going into halftime, you know, you you're looking at Arizona State potentially being up 24 to seven at half, and and the defense really doing you know uh, an an incredible job. But they do get that touchdown. Um, uh, Sears was able to get out on the move uh throw a touchdown pass right before halftime and it's 24 to 14 and, and you had to kind of think to yourself all right well arizona state's moving the ball well um Eno benjamin had a long touchdown run that call was called back because uh his elbow touched the turf but Nikhil harry was able to, to haul in a long touchdown pass um great throw by Manny Wilkins who has really calmed down with some of these overthrows uh, since the Michigan State game. I know that there's been a a couple of occasions since that have caused him to draw some ire on social media and elsewhere and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute but he made a great throw um, you know, then you have Arizona State make a play defensively where Jalen Harvey gets into the backfield, scares uh, Sears into trying to make a pitch, uh, and and uh, Harvey, instead of going at the quarterback, he swats at the ball. And th- that has to be the greatest feeling in the entire world, either intercepting a pitch in the backfield or swatting one away uh, and ultimately causing a fumble. That has to be the football equivalent of, like, dunking over a seven-footer. Um, I mean, especially if you can catch it and run it back for a pick six. Um, he was not able to do that. He tipped it away. Darian Butler, freshman linebacker, he ends up falling on the ball. And then Arizona State's able to get a three-yard touchdown run from Eno Benjamin. Um, and, you know, Arizona State's offense was really rolling. The defense was playing well. The the offense was playing well. You had a Brandon Reese uh, field goal in the first half uh, as well. And, you know, You know, Benjamin was over 100 yards rushing. I believe he had uh, around 113 yards rushing in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Everything seemed to be going very, very, very well for Arizona State outside of one special team's mishap and and a couple of, you know, discipline issue uh, penalties, which I saw some people on social media say that the refs gave – the refs gave – USC, a gift on that, a Shari Crosswell pass interference. But the truth of the matter is, you gotta look back. You gotta know where you're at on the field. Crosswell struggled a little bit with that this year. He, I think he has more penalty flags than anybody else by a long shot on the defense. So, um, you know, the, there's definitely some some issues as far as discipline. That, you know, there's some continued issues on special teams. But uh, that was about as much as you could possibly hope to expect from Arizona State going into the half up 24-14. to 14. Uh, But the third quarter, the third quarter has just been – absolute torture for Arizona State all year long. I think heading into this game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Arizona State had been outscored, I think by something like three to one uh, on the year. They, I think they may have even had yet to outscore another team in the third quarter all year, and as well as have several games where even if the defense held the, the opposing team to only a field goal, you know Arizona State didn't score a touchdown in, in those games either. So the third quarter has been really rough for ASU, and it continued to be really rough for ASU in the second half against USC. So in this third quarter, USC brings out the trickery, uh, which which was pretty bold of them, considering Jack Sears, pretty new to the to the whole situation of being out there and leading this team. Um, But, you know, they get a couple of touchdowns on some really creative play calls. I think you you had uh, Velas Jones um, come across and run an eight-yard fly sweep in for a score. And then you had a wide receiver pass uh, in which... Tyler Vaughn's, who had earlier run the punt back for the the initial USC touchdown, he looks like he's going to run, and then you know he hauls back and throws an absolute strike to Michael Pittman in the back of the end zone over on the far side of the field, and all of the sudden uh, USC has dropped 14 points and is up 28 to 24. Um, early, early in the third quarter, 10:24 left in the third quarter, USC takes a lead. Three consecutive touchdown drives uh, for USC after Arizona State holding USC without a touchdown up until. Uh, any of those drives and so you know you look at that and I think that harkens back to some of the things that Arizona State has done uh, against USC in previous seasons especially the last two games at Sun Devil Stadium in which you know I think there there have been at least two games now uh, where I've been covering Arizona State for Devil's Digest where USC has just scored five drives in a row and you had to wonder is this going to be one of those things where you know you, you've already dealt with a return touchdown now you've got three touchdowns in a row you know how much damage is uh usc going to do here uh compounding you know w- with that bad luck that arizona state's already having you know with not necessarily being able to defend those trick plays with drawing penalties um is manny wilkins uh keeping the ball um on, on an rpo you know he he runs right up the middle and get smacked right in the helmet. What what seemed to potentially be targeting, and honestly, after this game, I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and say I don't really know what targeting is anymore. Kalen Thomas got tossed from the game for what seemed to be a pretty textbook targeting call, but on two other occasions, the refs stopped the game completely and said they were looking for potential targeting, which, you know, potential targeting. You know, you're looking for... Actual targeting Um, but you know they stopped the game said they were looking for potential targeting I never was able to figure out what exactly it was they were looking for Um, on those two occasions they came back with nothing on on either try but to see that they were so willing to go to the review on several occasions the fact that they didn't for Manny Wilkins fumble um, was definitely uh, definitely concerning uh, because Wilkins obviously, um you know he he could have he he could have seriously been hurt uh he was he was basically he was hit so hard on that play that the ball just came out of his hands you know he sat dazed on 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 the grass for a moment uh went over to the training tent uh dylan sterling cole came in for a drive almost threw a strike for a touchdown to frank darby uh frank darby was not able to hold on to the ball he continues to really have an up and down season you can either expect a hundred 140 yards receiving on four catches from Frank Darby, or you can expect him to do absolutely nothing, which is, uh, you know, outside of some some nifty catches on the sideline, uh, as far as a deep threat goes, you know, that that definitely wasn't his role uh, today. And that, you know, so you figure, oh, this is going to be another quarter, another third quarter where Arizona State... um, ends up getting blown out, not able to do anything. And then all of a sudden you have Mr. Nikhil Harry, who's been back on punt return and had been making interesting choices all day, and not just all day. I would say he's been making interesting choices as a punt returner for the majority of the season. And now, Nikhil Harry is really only back there returning punts because Sean Slocum, over the past four years, hasn't really seemed to be able to settle on somebody he can trust to make good decisions back there. You know, I, I think you've seen a little bit of Ryan Newsom, um, Paul Lucas. I think Chase Lucas has been. Back Back there, uh, you know, you, you've had so many guys. I think Gump Hayes took a crack at it. Uh, you've had so many guys uh, back on pot return. Brandon Ayuk has made a few mis- mistakes this year trying to return punts. So I think they've really settled on Nikhil Harry being back there. Uh, but some of his decisions are pretty boneheaded too, especially when the ball's inside the ten instead of just letting it go. He'll, you know, he, he pretty rarely you'll see Nikhil Harry call a fair catch. Uh, but he fields a ball around the eight makes his way back to the end zone cuts up the sideline and arizona state all the players come in and just start laying vicious blocks all the way down the sideline. kyle williams had one that was just wow uh, and the Harry runs that punt back 92 yards for a touchdown after the game he said he was just trying to make something happen and and, and he did he definitely did. He broke Arizona State out of whatever funk it was they were in. Uh, gave Manny Wilkins a little bit of extra time to 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 heal up from the hit that he took. Gave Arizona State the lead back and really broke ASU out of the funk uh, that, that that's been going on for several third quarters in a row now this year. Um, you know Arizona State takes a 31 to 28 lead. You know they don't they don't look back from there. Uh, Arizona State had a great defensive stop in the fourth quarter when USC uh, came out and looked like they were going to kick a field goal to tie the game. Um, They end up calling timeout, coming back out, putting the team on the field, um, and and trying to do a short run um, between guard and tackle on the left side. Uh, The run, I think they were probably about a, a yard and a third away from the first down and they get a, a yard <laughs> on the run and no, no stop for a view of the spot or anything like that. They turn around, give ASU the ball back. And now Arizona State has a chance to run the clock out. Uh, you know, is that something that they're gonna be able to do? Um, and they do, they, they really do. Uh, you know, they get to the point where it's third and one. If they get that one yard, uh, it's over. And, uh, Manny Wilkins keeps uh, the ball on on uh, a run-pass option play. He goes left. Zach Robertson just absolutely, you know, sealed off the entire left side, put – he put Manny Wilkins in a position where, you know, he only had one man to beat and he was able to do it in a foot race to the end zone. Uh, had Manny Wilkins just slid down at any point during that run, the game's over. But I think, you know, he, he saw that end zone, got big eyes, and just went for it. It is the second week in a row that Manny Wilkins has made a questionable decision <laughs> on the last drive in a, in a crucial fourth-quarter situation. Um, only You know, last week's ended up with a check down throw with no time left. This one's a little bit different. Scoring a touchdown is definitely forgivable, especially when you end up winning the game. But even Manny Wilkins said after the game, you know, there's a chance, you know, even though ASU goes up 10 on that uh, 45-yard touchdown run, There's a chance he ends up the bad guy if USC, you know, gets the ball, marches down, scores, gets an onside, and is able to either tie it or take the lead in in much in the same fashion that Arizona State won by four years ago in in the whole Joe Mary situation, uh, you know, with a 14-point comeback at the end of the game. So uh, that is not what happened. Uh, Jack Sears did hit Tyler Vaughn, who, again, Tyler Vaughn's had a fantastic game, um, you know, returning a punt for a touchdown, throwing a touchdown, and catching a touchdown touchdown at the end of the game he he caught a 48 yard touchdown pass over uh cam phillips who's getting his first action for arizona state this year and that put the score at 38 35 arizona state recovers the onside kick they end up moving to four and four um a couple of things uh notes on this game um uh, Nikhil Harry. Uh, obviously, him touching the ball matters. We've rehashed that over and over and over and over again. Um, not only did he show that, you know, he has an incredible ability to make plays, he had the 44 yard touchdown reception. It was finally nice to see him hit over the top down the seam, um, but he also uh, returned the punt for a touchdown. So, again, it's just a matter of making plays when he has the opportunity to, to be. Um, in the game but he the other thing that he did is he told offensive coordinator rob likens that hey they're not playing any safeties over the top you know they're they're bringing the safety over to try to blitz they're being really aggressive on defense it was blatantly obvious on on a previous drive he gets on the he gets on the headphones and he tells rob likens to just draw up a play where manny throws one up for him and, uh, and after the game, Rob Likens talked about that. We, we asked uh, asked Rob Likens if, if Nikhil has ever done that before, if he's ever gotten on the headphones and said, hey, just throw me the ball, I'll catch it. You know, in, in honor of USC, since this happened at USC, uh, in L.A., in the home of Keyshawn Johnson, where he hosts a radio show, you know, has Nikhil ever gotten on the headphones before and just said, throw me the damn ball? Uh, and Rob Likens' response to that was, Frank has, uh, in reference to Frank Darby but this is the first time Nikhil Harry's ever done and he said you know he doesn't really like players lobbying him to make certain calls because if you say like oh I'm open I'm open and then you know Rob Likens goes and watches film that week and you weren't telling the truth you know that can only backfire on you but I think Nikhil Harry saw the same thing that I saw from the press box which was there was just nobody over the top Arizona State wasn't attempting to take advantage of that. And so, you know, they had Nikhil Harry lined up on the on, on the left side, uh, and you know, no safety over the top at all. They ran a bunch like trips formation to the right, which is where the, the majority of the concentration of USC's defensive backs were. Manny Wilkins dropped back and he just lofted it up for Nikhil Harry. And Nikhil Harry made probably one of the better catches I've ever seen live in my entire life. Um, You know, people talk about the Odell Beckham, you know, uh, stretched out. Um, one-hander and it was very much like that only Nikhil had to make some serious adjustments in the air in order to do it and I believe ultimately ended up pulling it in completely with one hand the biggest tragedy about that catch is that Arizona State didn't end up doing anything with the ball on that drive but it just goes to show you that if you put the ball up there and give Nikhil Harry a chance he has the ability to do very special things um there were a couple of other shots that they took downfield at Nikhil harry uh in this game that didn't necessarily work out but if you keep going to that it's going to work and uh, arizona state rob likens Nikhil harry all part of ultimately making that call on offense uh it, it really felt and looked like they did the right thing there um Another thing, Tyler Vaughn's. uh, this just goes to show you that, you know, everybody likes to point to the fact that, uh, guys that slip under the radar or were low rated by rivals that go on to do big things or go pro, you know, everyone always wants to point those guys out and that's completely understandable. You should, you should, you know, people that defy expectations. It's a fantastic story every single time. I love it. I'm a Wyoming fan. So, you know, Josh Allen being a first round pick after being a quarterback at Wyoming and having to go, uh, Juco for a year year to even get that wyoming offer you know where guys like you know i'm 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 from uh pretty close to north dakota and carson wentz you know i won himself a couple of uh, national championships as quarterback of north dakota state and and now has a super bowl ring he didn't play in the game but you know now he has a super bowl ring for the philadelphia eagles and was a first round pick guys slip through the cracks all the time i think j.j watt's one of the most famous examples of you know a two-star who ultimately ended up You know, um, NFL uh, defensive player of the year, I think three time defensive player of the year, uh, which I think only, you know, Lawrence Taylor has done, and so it is important to point those things out. You know, uh, guys get overlooked all the time. Totally understandable, but also, you know, you should look at the other side of it when, when, when it is obvious, uh, and 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 uh, you know, people like Rivals do get it right. Nikhil Harry was a five-star. He's out there playing like a five-star. Nobody at Arizona State is surprised by Nikhil Harry, but someone I covered extensively in high school. And somebody who Arizona State really put a lot of effort into recruiting was Tyler Vaughns, And I think he was rated just behind Nikhil Harry as maybe the number two receiver on the entire West Coast, if I remember correctly, coming out of uh, California in 2016. He returns a punt for a touchdown. He throws a touchdown. He catches a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, some of these ratings are pretty good. You know, so there's always going to be those misses. They don't I have the opportunity to see everybody, and I, and you know, I'm not really part of the ratings. I make suggestions uh, to our regional guys based on people that I'm able to see in person. Um, but you know, they nail it with some of these, and I think that you know, Tyler Vaughn's and Nikhil Harry definitely looking at. You can look at those as as absolute success stories. Um, Something else that stands out, Eno Benjamin uh, goes well over 100 yards, I think nearly 200 yards rushing. This is one of several games now where we've seen him sort of slow down uh, in the second half, but they didn't really need him all that much. He had a big touchdown run uh, in in the first half uh, to make up for the fact that he had his second touchdown run of the year, in which he had his elbow brush the ground. Um, Eno you know, Benjamin's balance is just absolutely fantastic. His spin move is confounding to defenses, and I mean his footwork is great. Uh, Arizona State just recently lost a, a few running back prospects, um, with uh, Mark Goose Cosgrove, the fullback, uh, who went from walk on to ultimately earning a scholarship. Um, you know, losing losing him to medical retirement, uh, losing Brock Sturgis, who who you know was a running back at undefeated Allen in Texas and one of the best running backs in all of Texas, used to playing on a really big stage, very talented guy. Came out Arizona State wasn't for him. He went back to Texas and he'll figure out what to do next and then Traylon Smith who Traylon Smith probably had the best footwork on the entire team um, but couldn't you know couldn't get things right off the field and ultimately ends up parting ways uh, with ASU all of this ultimately makes Eno Benjamin that much more important for Arizona State and he has uh, not failed uh, to uh, do very, very good things for ASU anytime they give him the opportunity. He is especially strong in the, the the first halves of games that he's playing in, and he showed that again today. A couple of the other things that stood out in this game: targeting Tommy Hudson in the pass game, uh, ASU just using the tight end uh, seems to be a you know pretty pretty big development. Nick Ralston even had a, a couple of passes thrown uh, his way, and so you know you look at what Arizona. State is able to do. Um, you know, this is only Rob Likens' eighth game as the offensive coordinator, and it feels like they're starting to get a little bit more comfortable, and it feels like uh, Rob Likens gave himself a little bit of cushion from all of the critics um, who have moved on from calling for Mike McCoy for the Arizona Cardinals head since they got that head on a platter and and, and were eyeing Rob Likens after the last couple of offensive performances that ASU has had. Um, you know the, this one. I think you know if if you have the ability to criticize, you should also have the ability to. Uh you know to, to to give affirmation uh when the situation calls for it and i think that uh rob likens is definitely worthy of some affirming words from from some of the fan base out there based on this uh performance um in you know in in which arizona state was able to move the ball able to put points on the board again struggled in the third quarter uh it's hard to control you know getting hit in the head um, which interrupted one drive for for manny wilkins and then sustained drives for usc which Really ultimately kept the ball out of ASU's hand in that third quarter. So I, I don't know if too much blame goes to Rob Likens for that, but I, I think that he's definitely deserving of some praise uh, for the improvements at Arizona State. Uh, had uh, overall that ultimately led them to getting a win over USC and breaking uh, Clay Helton's undefeated streak I don't think he had lost at home since taking over for Steve Sarkeesian uh, a couple of years ago um so you know that, that that's the game those are the statistics that's how it all worked out um and I think it was really important for Arizona State to, to, to get this win. I had predicted going in that ASU um, was ultimately going to get the win and that it was probably the most important game as far as defining – Manny Wilkins' legacy Uh, because it is his 31st start, his 24th start in a row. It's very rare that Arizona State is in a position where they have somebody who has been in the role as long as him. Arizona State fans can be pretty fickle Uh, Toward Arizona State quarterbacks, um, you know, that whole maxim of living long enough to see yourself, you know, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Well, traditionally, Arizona State quarterbacks in their senior seasons uh, have drawn quite a bit of ire from uh from the fan base you know whether that be what was supposed to be sam keller's senior year before he ultimately transferred to nebraska uh rudy carpenter's senior year was a, a pretty big disappointment as far as just had the ability to surround him with enough talent to be successful coming off of two very good years um you know you never had the opportunity to get a senior year out of steven three or brock osweiler but uh, everybody remembers danny sullivan and everybody remembers you know being being pretty frustrated uh with him you know ryan Keeley, i don't even think he even made it to his senior year because by the you know he, he had had some personal troubles um in his three years at, at, at arizona state on and off uh as a starter taylor kelly had a, a lot of critics uh as a senior who who didn't believe that he should have even come back after getting injured at Colorado and they should have just handed the reins over to Burko and then the huge expectations for Burko led to some Uh, of the nastiest online abuse I've seen in my time of covering Arizona State that seemed to be pretty split evenly between Mike Bercovici and and, and Mike Norvell uh, when Arizona State made some disappointing decisions. Uh, And and now Manny Wilkins is in that position, and and things have not been great uh, as far as, you know, his performance has basically been average. Uh, It's pretty easy to pinpoint that he is direct directly responsible for Arizona State not being able to put up points in a couple of games, you know, based on him spending a little bit too much time on one read or him really having only one speed on the intermediate throws, the receiver's not really being able to catch some of those bullets. Um... You know, clock management has been an issue. Overthrows have been an issue. So Manny Wilkins definitely has his critics, and they've been vocal, and there have been people that have been tagging him on Instagram, uh, tagging him on Twitter, people calling him out in the crowd with an earshot of his family saying inappropriate things. Um, and Manny Wilkins was asked about this week, th- that this week, and he came out and he said something that I think is the right thing to say if you're Manny Wilkins in a position of leadership the way that he is, because it's a no-win situation. If you ask him about some of the unfair criticism that he's receiving from the fan base, there's if there's one thing that the Morris Twins for the Phoenix Suns uh, had, should have taught everyone in the entire west and east valley every arizona sports supporter of any kind is you don't go at the fans um because you know they root for the logo on the jersey not necessarily the player in the jersey that that logo is going to win out every single time uh if you remember If you remember a few years back when Dennis Erickson was still the head coach at Arizona State, Carrie Taylor came out, went at Dennis Erickson – and wasn't wrong about anything that he said. And I'm still not sure all these years later if the Arizona State fan base, even though they ultimately know in their heart that Cary Taylor was right about everything that he said about Dennis Erickson, if they're ready to forgive Cary Taylor for even running his mouth in the first place. Uh so you can't criticize the fans, you can't criticize the program or people are gonna turn on you. So uh, if I'm Manny Wilkins, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, uh, a couple of middle fingers up to some of these fans that are tagging me on Twitter that are saying that, you know, uh, they can't wait till I graduate or they hope that I die or whatever, you know, terrible things that people come up with because they over-prioritize uh, a sport and get too emotionally and, and inappropriately emotionally involved. You know, I'm, I'm sure that he wants to do what Jake Plummer did in Denver and throw a middle finger up to the crowd. You know, I, I'm... I, but. At the same time, he has the maturity to turn around and say, that's just part of it. That's just something that I have to deal with and, and move on from that. But I, you know, I definitely have a couple of questions um, because if Manny Wilkins can take responsibility for his performance on the field, shouldn't fans at least be able to take some tiny bit of responsibility for their performance? off the field and the way that they go about you know, supporting uh, Arizona State's players and not being fickle and you know and things like that. And and, and I tweeted out some stuff this week, and I thought it was going to get me in trouble because you know ultimately it put me in a position where it seemed like I was uh, attacking the fans, and that's not something I would ever do because that's you know career suicide. But but I, I did want to point out that I really feel like there's a huge difference between program supporters and program fans, and let me tell you what I mean by that. I don't feel like support is conditional. And those are the people you don't wanna lose. You don't wanna alienate supporters. Uh, and, And supporters, they obviously, they often call themselves fans. Um, you, know, you know you never hear someone go around saying like oh I'm a USC supporter of course they say fan who are you a fan of but supporters are people who essentially give unconditional support to a program when players are down they attempt to be uplifting toward those players because it all works for the greater good when coaches aren't making the right decisions supporters root for them and encourage them to you know do better because it's all better for the whole there's a lot less of calling for firings from supporters uh because ultimately you know they they want what's best for the program and most people um realize that in sports you can't just get rid of somebody and have it be addition by subtraction part of firing someone is hiring somebody else um and so you know disrupting the continuity of, of something that's going on isn't good for the players on on the field uh, you know supporters I feel like know that but they also have the ability to evaluate what's going on and I feel like they have more weight in the things that they say because they're not as reactionary fans on the other hand fan is short for fanatic fans are uh, fans are uh, thermostats no I fans are thermometers not thermostats they don't set the temperature they take it so they when things are good fans are great when things are not good fans can be kind of annoying um, and especially you know when you're in a situation where you're not winning where the expectations were really really high uh, especially for Manny Wilkins especially for the Arizona State offense um, you know, if, if you're not out there winning games and you're not out there uh, at least meeting some of the expectations that were had for you, then, you know, it's not it's not going to be good. Fans react in the moment. Those are the people who tweet players. Those are the people who say, you know, we, we got to get rid of him, uh, who don't necessarily see the forest um, for the trees. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd say that most... You know, most programs are probably 80-20 fans to supporters. And, I, you know, I would know. I I call myself a Phoenix Suns fan, and I beat up on the team because everything is bad and makes me feel terrible. And, and, you know, I I, I don't have much good to say, and I react accordingly. I I would say that I'm less of a a, a supporter uh, because ultimately I feel like, you know, being a Suns supporter would be support of a guy like Robert Sarver uh, and of losing and I just don't know if I can do that in, in general but there are people out there who support the Suns you know regardless and, and ultimately that's probably more healthy for uh, the situation you know a- as a whole nothing ever gets better or gets done by a bunch of people just whining online um, so I would put myself in that category of a, of a Suns fan who is just constantly whining and, and reacting terribly to the fact that you know I think they're one in four now with four blowout losses this season so i'll probably be on twitter later tonight you know uh, venting my feelings so uh, you know i completely understand that so it's not to just go out and disparage what fans are just the truth of the matter is fans are good when you're doing good because they react they are reactionary they are thermometers they take the temperature and they tell you the temperature um you know, and then and then you you run into the issue where accessibility is an at an all-time high. Um, you know, and that's not to say that you know people haven't always gone after players. You know, <laughs> you see in all of those old movies. Um, you know, whether it's uh, Friday Night Lights or or you know, Remember the Titans. You know, when a coach doesn't win in a small town, you know, a brick comes through their window, or you know you know they they have the yard signs. You know, telling them to you know for put a for sale sign in the yard, or or you overhear comments at the at the at the bar um, when you're just out there, you know, or at the diner with your family. You know, everyone's seen those types of movies and you think to yourself like, how ridiculous is it that those people take that so over the top to, to make a coach feel uncomfortable or threatened in their own environment just because the team isn't doing what you want them to do. And I feel like, I feel like, I, I, I want to imagine that there is nobody that there's nobody out there who watches those movies and sees those scenes and sees a brick go through the window or a for sale sign put in in the front yard of a coach and says to themselves like oh i want to be that person i don't think anybody says to themselves that that's what they want to be but the people that tweet at manny wilkins Every time he makes a mistake or an overthrow or a fumble or an interception or a bad read or doesn't manage the clock well at the end of the game, anytime that they tweet him, that's what you're doing. It's a brick through the virtual window. You're that person. You're the bad guy in the movie. The one that you never would watch and say, I want to be that person. That's who you are. And so, you know, uh, the accessibility is at an all-time high, but I don't think that people believe that leaving a message on somebody's Instagram or tweeting somebody directly um, it is in any way uh, the same or more serious as making that person feel uncomfortable uh, in person when they're just going about their business. But the truth is, that's exactly what it is. You just don't have to be in the same room with them anymore. I mean, some of the stuff on I'm gonna be honest, some of the stuff on Manny Wilkins, Instagram after the Stanford loss, I I mean, I just had to laugh. Whoever runs the nightclub at the Encore on the Las Vegas Strip, the Encore. So, like, the hotel next to the Wynn... Uh, There's an outdoor patio nightclub. Whoever runs the Instagram account for that nightclub, which has like 6,000 followers, tweeted from the official nightclub Instagram account. Not tweeted, but reached out to Manny Wilkins from the official uh, Encore Nightclub Instagram account to tell Manny Wilkins that he was awful. And that one just made me laugh the most because people don't even have enough sense to, like, not drag their business or their employer into some of the stuff that they tweet at these guys. You're the guy from the movie. You're the guy in Friday Night Lights. Uh, Or, you know, you're the guy (laughs) in Remember the Titans, the brick through the window. Like, that's, that's who you are. It's just, it doesn't feel like you're going to that length because it's so easy to just toss a few brews back and then hit send, but that's the truth. And, you know, and so, you know, one of the things that I asked this week is, at what point is it okay to at least ask fans to take some personal responsibility for some of the decisions that they make as far as social media? And I would be, I'd probably be much more comfortable with seeing some of the things that I see sent to Manny Wilkins. Um, especially, first of all, they're not on the level that Burko uh, and Mike Morvell were getting <laughs> in the in the 2015 year, where Mike Berkovici like penned a letter before the season saying that ASU was gonna try to win a national championship. Uh, things are not on that level. Online. I, I monitor it every game, uh, you know, on TweetDeck. I have all their mentions up, and every time that something comes across, you know, I make a little note of it. And I, I would say that things were definitely worse uh, in 2015. And I think because the expectations were higher, and, and anytime there's a gap between your expectations and, and your reality, you're gonna try to bridge it with something. And uh, acting like a D bag uh, serves as that bridge uh, for some people. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not been great for Manny Wilkins, but it hasn't been as, as bad, right? But I, I would be much more comfortable with some of the things that I see sent to the players when they make mistakes if they were getting paid for this. And I'm not going to turn this podcast into a whole, like, you know, issues of labor in college football um, you know I I definitely have my views on it Uh, my views are very simple that I do not believe that the pie should infinitely increase in size without the slice of the pie dedicated toward athletes um, increasing in some proportion and instead that pie slice of pie stays the same while the while the pie as a whole continues to grow so that, that that's my personal feeling I feel like players should get compensated I feel like if players were compensated, you know, you could treat them as a little bit more professional. You you could go in on them a little bit, a little bit more. I think it'd be more excusable if if they were you know taking a paycheck. Uh, but you know, this, the, these guys are on an incredibly unbalanced barter system uh, where the college brings them out, makes a ton of money off them. You know, yeah, they get to have a good time. Yeah, a lot of them love playing football. Some don't. Some are just in it for the trade. Um, You know, uh, they, they get education. They get more than the average Joe got. And so I think average Joe hates this argument because average Joe didn't get those things and average Joe had to work hard. And average Joe, like me, still owes Arizona State University through the federal government lots and lots of money. So I get it. I get the animosity toward anybody even mentioning paying the players. I'm just saying that if the players were paid, I'd feel more comfortable with you at random dude 69 on Twitter, telling Manny Wilkins uh, that he needs to pack his bags every time he does something wrong. Uh, because as it stands right now, the university is just making a trade with these guys to make a bunch of money off them. Uh, you know, to play on Thursday night in front of almost no fans. Um, you know to, to, to be out there and and ultimately have the, the school be able to cash huge television checks, uh, that they turn around and pay you know big money to assistant coaches and things like that. So, um, I've, I've gotten massively sidetracked, but I, I will say, uh, that I did want to make a note of some of the, that stuff that I saw uh, the, this week uh, just because it just continues to be an issue of people tweeting at players. People are going to do what they're going to do. I'm not preaching, you can go ahead and do whatever, I just have a certain way <laughs> that i that i feel about it and i'd feel more comfortable with the current state of things if the players were you know could open their twitter see 10 you know go jump off of bridges and then go cash a check uh, but ultimately manny wilkins said that that's part of the job right but this isn't a job it's not a job and until it is a job people got to ease up So uh, the the other thing that I want to bring up is I was out uh, on Friday night. I took a break from what I usually do, which is patrolling the the high school sidelines of the state of Arizona, looking for prospects and all stuff that I include on devilsdigest.com. I took some time out to drive out, uh, uh, stay south of L.A., um, on Friday night uh, and went out to Tesoro High School and watched Joey Yellen, the quarterback for Mission Viejo uh, play a really, really great game uh, in what was his final regular season game of his high school career. He is committed to Arizona State to play quarterback along with Ethan Long um, out out of uh, the state of Oregon. You know, I didn't get a chance to go up to Oregon and see Ethan Long play, so I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to at least go see uh, Joey Yellen and um, I, I was impressed and I'm going to be writing up a, a full scouting report uh, for for premium members on devilsdigest.com of his of his game um, but I did have an opportunity to talk to Joey Yellen's head coach uh, about his performance in that game and his performance throughout the season So let's go ahead real quick and hear from Mission Viejo head coach, Chad Johnson. All right, right, so this is my first time seeing Joe Yellen uh, live in action. You're out here at Tesoro. Um, Tell me me what you've seen this season, how, how he's matured and really stepped into the role of a leader.
2: Well first of all you know Joey's played out of 10 games he's played nine phenomenal games. Um, you know last week against San Clemente, you know we were a little off as a, as a group offensively. it was his one bad half the first half he was off, second half played great um, and, and you know that happens other than that I thought he played really well all season um, and he's just been a, a solid leader for us uh, on and off the field. Um, he leads you know first by example with his work ethic his film study. Um, and then, you know, because he, he knows so much about the offense, he's able to, to help guys out, put them in the right places, let them know what they're doing, how to do it. He um, just makes us go. He's the reason why we go.
0: I've noticed uh, uh, that anytime he stepped away, he was either he had the tablet or he was talking to teammates. Even when he was pulled at the end of the game, he's walking people through stuff on the bench. That's pretty typical for him. Yeah,
2: phenomenal leader. Um, he's a great kid. Uh, I'm just really proud of the season he's having. Um, you know, played great again tonight. Very efficient night. You no know, interceptions, no turnovers. Um, and, you know, I, I thought we just played a, a team effort tonight. Defense played great. Special teams had two touchdowns, um, blocked a, a extra point, and also uh, returned a to kickoff for touchdown. I thought that was a complete effort tonight. I was, I was happy with this.
0: What would you think his biggest strength is? Because I see, you know, maybe not the most mobile guy in the world, but the no. one time that you rolled him out to the right, he throws a strike to the sideline.
2: Yeah. You know, for a guy who does not move exceptionally well, he throws the ball really well on the run. Okay, really well in the run. So, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, that's something that's an area of growth he needs to work out. He needs to become, you know, more mobile, more athletic. Um, but, you know, he throws well on the ball well on the run. So, uh, and then as far as just his, just efficiency and, and, you know, his mental game, he's accurate on time. He's just, he's a great player.
0: Not a lot of ups or downs emotionally. No, no
2: just, just efficient, does a great job. Um, and I'm just, you know, just proud of him.
0: I didn't just talk with Mission Viejo head coach Chad Johnson while I was out there, also caught up with Arizona State quarterback commit Joey Yellen himself. He spent some time uh, talking with me about his season, uh, how he's been uh, progressing as a, a leader of his team, his weapons, uh, as well as what he thinks of what Arizona State's been doing under Herm Edwards and Rob Likens. Tell me about the first quarter. It was like, I think, 7 to 15 or something like that. Rhythm maybe starting to work its way out. And then in the second yeah. quarter, uh, you know, you do not really have the chance to throw till until the midway point And you you unleashed that 50-plus yard touchdown on the left side. what did you see on that? Um, on that touchdown?
3: Yeah. Uh, really, it was just the corner we wanted to go after. Uh, we had him singled up with, uh, you know, one of our best outside guys. And so uh, we kind of let him, uh, you know, just run an individual route. Uh, just, you know, a little double move and go i just had to hold the safety off uh to the right and then just came back
0: and uh, let it rip what's this season been like because you guys perform well we got the outside drama you have kind of a little bit of a rough week last week but then heading into the playoffs i mean you you play really really well tonight um just what's it been like going through this year and with the college decision off your plate focusing on this team and having everything else go on
3: yeah i mean there's been adversity for sure it's, it hasn't been normal with like the whole forfeiting thing and the uh, right you know last week dropping a game that we wouldn't normally drop um but you know it's still been fun still been a great season um the most important part is still in front of us so uh it was good that we kind of got in here got some momentum going into the playoffs and uh you know i think we're ready to rock
0: for uh ready to make a run what do you want to see out of yourself in the offense like your coach said you're settling for threes when you could get sevens yeah what do you want to do differently like what what can you take on yourself
3: oh I think the biggest thing is just always striving for that perfect game um, you're never really gonna get it but you want to get close so uh, really it's just uh, keeping it simple you know keep making the right leads keep making the right throws uh, putting our offense in good positions and uh, you know just it's all about winning from here on out. So,
0: and a lot of opportunity ahead at Arizona State. The defense is very young. Yeah, they seem to be figuring it out. Started four freshmen last week. The offense just needs that little bit of a spark. What, what do you see uh, in in Arizona State and what they've been able to do so far? And, and how do you feel about adding to that?
3: Well, I feel. I mean, I feel good about where they are as a program right now. I mean. You know they dropped a couple games, but every game they've been in, there hasn't been like any like blowouts or anything like that. So they played some really good teams, and you're going to do that in the Pac-12. And uh, you know they're still a really young team, so hopefully I can you know add to that in the near future. And
0: uh, I'm I'm really excited about you know where we're at. And last but not least, I asked uh, some people on Twitter uh, who follow me at Ralph Amson, if you want to go ahead and, and, and follow my personal Twitter account there, or you can follow me at ASU underscore Rivals, the, the direct uh, Twitter uh, handle for the podcast. Uh, but I asked a few of you to tell me, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, what this win uh, meant to you as far as just the importance of salvaging the season, um, as well as, you know, I, I want to know your expectations for how asu finishes out based on this win are your are your expectations changed based on how they played against a short-handed beat-up usc team on the road um, I'm, I'm really curious about that because uh, up until this point and especially if asu had gone into this game and not been able to move the ball uh, offensively but also played great on defense i felt like this would just further push my narrative that this is the 2009 team all over again the 2009 team held opposing teams to 28 points or under 10 times and still only won three games and that team was full of super young NFL talent on the defensive side of the ball Arizona State has shown that they have a bunch of super young talent that has very bright futures on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, with a senior quarterback, they're a little bit more disappointing than, you know, people had hoped that this offense would be uh, the, the thing um, that really led the team. And I, I, the, the, the expectations were there for the offense to carry the team right to carry the team but ASU's actually been strong in a bunch of other areas and 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 has left the offense completely behind and I know this is going to be a bizarre comparison um but uh you know I was listening to um an, an album the other day one of my um one of my old favorites uh by a band called Chevelle um a rock band uh used to be made up of three brothers until they kicked one of the brothers out um, and uh, and, and you know, I think they've been around for almost 20 years now. But they put out a record back in 2002, um, and it was just a fantastic album, uh, almost from 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 top to bottom. Uh, and uh, the, the name of the album is "Wonder What's Next." And this is 2002, and it had some incredible songs on it. Uh, some uh, radio-friendly songs, Send the Pain Below, uh, The Red, um, really, really put Chevelle on the map. It uh, was probably, uh, to, to date, probably one of their best-selling albums, and is the reason, I mean, they've been, they've been touring off this and making albums off this for you know for, for 16 years now. Great CD, and why do I bring it up? because this was top to bottom, this was just fantastic. Except for the title song, Wonder What's Next was not good. It was the only song on the entire album that was not good. But it's the one they named the album after. And I you know I was listening to, the, to, to this album uh, and <laughs> I thought to myself like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of Arizona State. right? This was the Arizona State was, was supposed to be all about the offense. That's really all that we spent any time talking about. You know, nobody was gonna be surprised uh, by uh, by Eno Benjamin uh, uh, having a better year uh, than Jamario Richard or Kalen Balazs did the previous year. He's just a much more natural runner. The offensive line it was returning so much experience, plus got a couple of talented transfers. The receivers were coming off of one of the best tandem years uh, in Arizona State history, um, with Nikhil Harry being, you know, probably the, the most talented uh, um, player to, to play at Arizona State in the last uh, two decades on, at least on the offensive side of the ball and I cannot wait to get in trouble for saying that and you can go ahead and send me your tweets on, on, on that one uh, if you disagree um, but then in a senior quarterback and you, look, you looked at it and you know you say like oh you know uh, all of the questions are everywhere else it's definitely going to be all about the offense, and ultimately the offense has been the biggest disappointment. Whereas they've been very promising in most other areas of 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 what it is they're doing. And so you know, I, I was listening to this album, where you know there's 12 songs, 10 of them are fantastic. The worst one is the one the album's named after. Uh, and and you know, I, I, the way that I th- I thought about it was that you know this if arizona state wasn't able to to get things done they would really have sealed their fate and cemented who they were um because if you lose enough if you have enough of the of of the same problems over and over and over again um those aren't mistakes that's just who you are and so, if Arizona State came in and the offense wasn't able to move the ball, that that would have been who the, to me. That would have been who they were. But they didn't. They won this game, and so I'm curious as to whether or not that changed people's expectations. And, and I think obviously, you know, everybody's just going to be kind of reactionary, and the pendulum's going to go back and forth. After a loss, the sky's falling. After a win, hey, we could win out. You know, right? That, that that seems to be every week, especially with the way that that Arizona State has sort of you know had different results from week to week. But the truth is, the the offense has really not been great since week one, right? So, um, does the offense coming out, uh, and and being able to do some damage in the red zone, which is something that they struggled with. Uh, Manny Wilkins being able to hit passes over the top. Manny Wilkins getting out on the run, uh, which seemed to ignite the offense a little bit. Uh, Guys like Ralston and Hudson catching passes, targeting Nikhil Harry more than they should, the running game being there, just everything sort of coming together offensively. You know, does that change your expectations for the season in general that's what i want to hear from you uh, and if you didn't have a chance to, to go ahead and send it before i recorded this as i'm driving home um, which by the way if you've never listened to a devil's junkie podcast before and you wonder why i'm recording uh, while driving and you know don't don't worry i'm not like it's not distracting or anything i've, I've suspended uh, my my recording device uh and you know it's not causing any issues or anything like that um, but this is something that i started doing um i think a couple years ago and for some reason there was a a really positive response to it so I've just continued uh, to to roll with it so if you're new to the devil's junkie podcast uh, is it weird that I'm recording while driving yes uh, but for some reason people enjoy it so um, but uh, if you don't if you didn't have a chance to go ahead and send it to me uh, tonight so that I can read and address uh, some of those uh, responses now feel free to send it to me anyway because I'm really curious to see what this win over USC means to the Arizona state fan base, because if you feel like your expectations are changed, um, you know, moving into the final four games of the season, that's obviously going to affect how you react to the results, uh, that that ultimately come to be right. If you, if you see this and you say, Oh, three and one is definitely feasible Two and two, anything less is completely unacceptable. Um, you know, then it's important to just to, to, to know that, to have that in the back of your, uh, your mind, because for a lot of people, um, Um, myself included you know who had predicted seven wins um going into the season you know whether that includes a bowl win or not we'll see um but for me you know i'd predicted i predicted seven wins going into the season after that loss uh, to Stanford, and they were three and four. I was wondering, like, is three and nine a possibility? Uh, so let me just read a couple of uh, of these that you guys sent over, and apologize for the the, the weird Chevelle reference. Any any uh, opportunity that I can get to to talk music, I, I will. Uh, I will take it, um, but I, I got a, a few responses. Um, Tim at Tim Agney on Twitter. I sent a friend this text about it. This is a nine, and this is talking about a scale of one to 10, how important this win is. A potential season saver in which we bounce back to win a close game on the road in the face of one-sided officiating. Um, I, yeah, officiating has not been good in the Pac-12 all year. Um, uh, I, I obviously I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch this game again, um, to see uh, if it's skewed heavily one way or the other. Um, but yeah, that is an interesting take. Someone just put that in my pocket real quick and remember, remember to address it. But at Tim Magney continues. But that was our best uh, against an extremely depleted USC squad. And the text message he's talking about said that 21 point stretch felt apocalyptic. Like, we need to go back to being a teacher's college and work our way to a power five school over the next hundred years. That was was pretty rough. Uh, I mean, I, I thought that third quarter was ultimately going to define arizona state's 2018 the second half in general but that that third quarter they needed to to to, to really make a stand <laughs> and it went very poorly with manny wilkins getting knocked out and usc scoring two touchdowns in less than five minutes definite issue um at mitchell Atenasio, uh, Atencio uh i'm sorry mitchell uh at, Mitch, at mitchell Atencio on twitter said seven out of ten a loss wasn't going to solidify any negative opinions But the win shows me how much the players believe in the coach and the program, especially a win after letting the other team score 21 straight. A stop on fourth, an option play on short yardage, the culture is being set. Uh, I like that. Uh, Here we go. Um, At S. Malnice on Twitter... Eight out of ten, he rates that win, and and he says that that changes his expectation that Arizona State finishes the year with seven wins. And in order to get to seven wins, you know, if if uh, if he's only talking about um, the regular season, they do need to go three and one the rest of the way. Um, at Colb's PM on Twitter nine plus the road to bowl eligibility isn't reliant on an upset over Utah or Oregon now. Great team morale win seemed like players were more excited for this game than any other game. Expect them to go six and six beating UCLA and U of A. That's a great point. Now you don't have to depend on an upset, right? You, you still don't want to get upset. And I think he, you know, he sent this tweet even as University of Arizona was just waffle stomping the hell out of Oregon in Tucson, but. Um, I think that Arizona State, it's fair to expect them to beat uh, a, a University of Arizona team that's got an inconsistent um, play at the quarterback position due to injuries and is very depleted on the, on the offensive and defensive line. At Audrey Walshire said, This is an eight big away win for Herms program needed one of these wins, but doesn't change my skepticism for remainder of the season. No confidence. They will do better than one and three or get six wins, which will be a disappointment. Wow. So this one's interesting. Audria says uh, that this is a huge win, but it does not change her expectation for the final four games um, of the season. I think that i uh, uh, most of what I've read so far says that it, it kind of did. And I think for me personally, it, it did as well at uh, Kale lane on Twitter, just said huge. And uh, yeah, I all agree with that. And then, uh, at uh, Garrett and AZ big win to become bowl eligible, splitting the final four would be a good way to finish the season. So we've reached the point where I'm, I'm not getting as many, <laughs> as many Ray Anderson, uh, but Ray Anderson said we were going to be top three and, in the Pac-12 top 15 in the country and get a bunch of five stars. I've noticed that as people reset their expectations, a lot less people are paying attention to some of the things that Ray Anderson said in his justification for paying a massive buyout to ultimately fire Todd Graham in the first place. Um, I think that Herm Edwards has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, as far as his ability to, to, to step in, trust his assistants to go ahead and do their job, keep the players motivated, show them that he cares because as I talked about before, this is a barter system. And in order, to, in, in order to keep your players bought in, they have to know that you care about them. And I think he does a really good job of that. He's been very media savvy. Um, you can kind of tell the season has taken a, a, a little bit of a toll on him. Um, I think he was more relieved um, than happy uh, about this win. And I, I think, you know, I think this is a guy in his 60s with two teenage kids who i think live in another state having to keep the hours that he keeps still waking up at 4 30 in the morning every morning to lift while playing some of these pac 12 after dark games trying to maintain some i think he still does radio and i think he's still under contract for like radio interviews in like kansas city and stuff so he has to keep up with going on you know what's going on in the nfl and everything His life is even more hectic than my life covering his life, Uh, so I definitely don't don't envy him And I've been pleasantly surprised at his ability to adjust to what he's doing, his candor, the way he treats people Everything that you thought uh, Positive about Herm Edwards and just you know the the persona that he's been on television over the last Decade all of it is 100% true. It's all there um, and, and and some people respond really well to that. It remains to be seen if that can translate to wins. It remains to be seen if that can translate to ultimately being the closer on some high-profile recruits. Um, you know, this CEO position, the new leadership model, um, so many questions, so many things up in the air. But to see people say, like, hey, let's just get to a bowl and figure things out next year, uh, I, I think is interesting because... You know, uh, I think there are some people when when Arizona State was two and O, saying, "Oh, is this a <laughs> is this a team that's going to compete for the Pac-12 South?" You know, and then they at, 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 you know at the point when they're three and four, "Oh, is this a team uh, that's going to miss a bowl altogether?" And now people have kind of readjusted the expectation, just said like, "Hey, you're playing hard, finish up six and six, get to a bowl, see if you can remake this team uh, in 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 uh, Herm's." uh image with big tall fast guys who want to stay at least 5 years um who who are within a regional footprint see if Antonio Pierce can continue to to lock guys down see if Rob Likens can continue to install an offense that sort of has you know uh the the mix of the air raid background that he came from Uh, with Herm Edwards uh, you know desire to have ball control you know and ultimately see this RPO hybrid 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 offense um, uh, you know be something and I think most people are probably really encouraged by the job that Danny Gonzalez has done with the defense Um, PS did not bring up the fact that Kobe Williams probably made the play of the day outside of everything that Nikhil Harry did today Um, Kobe Williams broke up a a touchdown pass that might have been a backbreaker Uh, so shout out to Kobe Williams. didn't hear chase lucas's name a lot today uh because they didn't really throw his way which is really impressive um considering some of the guys that he had to cover um so anyway uh, back to the question really appreciate everybody who responded um, everybody who engages on twitter everybody who follows subscribe to devilsdigest.com it's fantastic content uh, the interns this year Jordan K. Jeff Griffith doing a fantastic job Joe Healy always brings it with his research pieces Hode is plugged into every single thing that's going on in the program at all times he serves his subscribers uh, very well they are like his children um, and, and you know he's, he's very good to me as well so um, so Subscribe to Devil's Digest. Support what we do. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. I noticed for the very first time that there were some reviews. Um, I, I'm not an ask for a review guy. Um, but some of them were kind of funny. So if you want to go on there and, and, and leave a funny review, I don't care if it's negative or positive. I'll read it. Just for fun. Just to fill time. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't care how many stars. I, I None of that... None of that matters to me. The fact that you're even listening, that that you've made it this far is uh, is great. Um, I have made it home. Uh, Six hour drive, uh, hell getting out of LA. Do not like that traffic. Not a fan of that stadium. Not a fan of that press box. uh, (laughs) Not a fan of that traffic. Happy to be home. Um, Arizona State goes on the road, beats USC 38 to 35 behind a very strong performance uh, from Nikhil Harry. And you know Benjamin Manny Wilkins did everything you could have possibly hoped um, for him. Uh, to have done in, in this game outside of maybe sliding to end the game a little bit earlier um, and keep Arizona State's streak of 28 and unders defensively alive, but ultimately Arizona State comes out with the win. Uh, the defense showed that they, they there's some flaws, but again, they're still young. They have a very big game against Utah coming up. Stay tuned to Devil's Digest uh, for a scouting report on Joey Yellen, for a scouting report on his teammate Akili Arnold, who is considered Arizona State uh, for a couple of columns that I'm writing this week um, re- regarding recruiting and everything that uh, Hoderbino, Sandy Charles, uh, Jeff Griffith, Jordan Kay, uh, Joe Healy uh, bring. And make sure, as always, to listen to Speak of the Devils podcast because that's the best thing out there. Uh, I am Ralph Amos, and this has been the Devils Junkie Podcast, Road Back from U.S. living
1: in a devil town.
0: I didn't
1: know it was a devil town Oh lord, it really brings me down About the devil town All my friends were vampires I Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire In the devil town. I was living in the devil town. devil town Oh Lord it brings me down about the devil town